The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! So I would say the most important thing is don't have an ego. I remember in the beginning, I took on so many jobs that weren't amazing and luxurious. And people would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. Like I worked at Walmart. I worked at Taco Bell. Like I had the most embarrassing jobs, getting as much work as you can, doing as many odd jobs and things that you can. And then also I think savings is really important. And a lot lot of people don't budget properly, but also it's taking chances and starting a podcast, doing things like this that people don't necessarily think of. You might not make money right away, but as long as you keep doing it and have something that you really love, I think that's how you get independence. Today's fun, we're sitting down with Christine Quinn. She is so major, you guys. She is a spitfire. I really enjoyed this interview. She is so interesting. She walks in, she has this total aura and presence and charisma, but she's also smart as a whip. Christine Quinn is a television star, a reality star, a model, a fashion and beauty mogul, and an author. Christine quickly became the most talked about woman on television. Like, I'm not even joking you. In 2019 on Netflix mega series, Selling Sunset. She also released her first book, How to Be a Boss Bitch, in 2022. And today she sits down and she spills the tea. But she also talks strategy and business and how to give off strong energy, set boundaries, date, tips, tricks, self-sufficiency. We even talk about sugar daddies, manifesting her birth story, and dealing with trolls. We go all over the place here, but she really gives some tangible tips on just how to be confident in her secrets. I think you're going to love this episode. On that note, let's welcome Christine Quinn to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Show. This is the Skinny Confidential Him and Her. I feel like you have slayed reality television in a different way. You almost like Bethany Frankled it. That's the best compliment ever, by the way. I love her. For our generation. So I want you to take me back to the moment that you knew you were going to be on reality television and what went through your head. Yeah. Well, obviously, I started out in acting. That's always what I wanted to do. That was my number one passion and love. So I came from a background of acting. So I got to a point in my life where I was doing really, really well for a while. I moved out from Texas. You know, I got a few really big movies and television shows. And then it just wasn't going like I thought it would go. You know, I didn't have consistent income and it was really hard. I had to step up to the plate and say, you know what? I need a real job. I need a real job. So that's when I got into real estate. So I was in real estate for a few years And then we got approached for a television show. And for me, it was an immediate yes. I was like, guys, we have to do this. We have to do it. And I was really the only one that was super hyped, super excited about it. Everyone was like, I don't know, you know, for business, is this good? And I was just like, I want to have fun and I want to film. And this is exactly what I wanted. So I really pushed for it. Everyone was kind of like, not really sure. We shot a pilot and then it just took off and the rest was history. So when you get asked to do this, you know you're meant for the screen. Like you're you're in. 
what's going me, yeah. through your head? Like, are you laying bricks before you even get on the show? Like, are you are you planning what you're going to do when you're on the show, what you're going to do when you get off the show, what your exit's going to be like? Like, is there like a strategy that you had when you approached reality television? The strategy I had was just get through five seasons. And I look back at all the good shows and I'm like, they had a good, solid five seasons. So that's what I knew I wanted to do. I didn't know if we'd last for that long. I had no idea, but I just knew I had to stick it out for as long as I could. And that was kind of my plan because I never wanted to be a reality star selling real estate forever. That wasn't my main goal. My main goal was to, you know, work on other business ventures and write a book and just be an entrepreneur. So I always knew I wanted to do other things. And this was the perfect platform for me to just have fun and be myself and just be a character. So that was really my goal. When you say character, to me, you sort of played like the villain. Yes. Did you go into it knowing you were going to play the villain? 100%. So you knew like you're like, that's the character for me. Yes. And it wasn't just it wasn't just my perception of how I was going to play it. It was also, you know, the producers. They had a certain storyline and they're like, OK, Christine's the crazy, crazy one. She's like wild. She says what she wants. And so, yeah, it was definitely predetermined. How much pressure is it? this would give me pressure to have to have cute outfits, have glam, have the hair. Like you want everything right. It's on television and you also can't control it like your own social media. Yeah. Is that stressful? It was very stressful. And I remember, but I enjoyed it because I I love, I, I love clothes. I love wardrobe. It's something that I just it, like eat right up. So for me, every week I would do like a big haul and just buy tons of stuff from Revolve or Nordstrom or whatever it may be and just set it up in a rack in my room and put together outfits. And we obviously didn't always know exactly what scenes we were filming the next day, but I would say like, okay, if I'm doing an office scene, this is perfect. If I'm doing, you know, a cocktail party, this is perfect. So I would kind of like curate my outfits and then whatever mood I was in or, you know, whatever we were filming that day, I would like pick it up and then what are you applying from real estate to the show? Because I feel like there is an element, a similarity with yes. real estate and filming a reality television yeah. show. Yeah, I would say, well, it's definitely, you have to be good with people in real estate. And so it's kind of the same when you're filming a show. Like you have to be really good with people and be able to, you know, maybe de-escalate situations or escalate situations. So I think that's kind of the similarities. How, how do you know how far to kind of push it? Like, do you have a conversation ahead of time with the other cast? Or you're just like, listen, I'm going all in and you guys better keep up. <laughs> we were really good about that in season one and season two, I would say. We knew exactly what we were shooting. We knew exactly what we were talking about. You know, everything was set up for us. And, you know, they would say, say this, push this. We want, you know, to talk about this, this one word. So we knew that and we would have conversations and say, hey, like, I'm really going to go there just you prepared. Yeah, totally cool. And then at the end of the scene, we'd be like, you good? You good? Okay. So are, are it started always, off really good. Are they, I mean, d d here's my, I'm not, I've never participated in these shows, but I always, I feel like it starts off this way, but then the people start to like, they get caught up in it and then yeah. it becomes more and more real. And all totally. of a sudden like, Hey, I'm not good with this anymore, but you're like, you're going full bore. Yeah. It's this, it's a snowball effect because what happens is we started out really good and then it starts snowballing and you do scenes and then they pull people apart. And then the expectation is the people that you didn't film scenes with, 
you know, they would call you and say, and I would do this because I had respect for the girls. And I would say, hey, we did a scene about this. I just want you to know because you're going to hear about it. And then, you know, that stopped happening and the calls stopped happening and the communication stopped happening. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, these girls are taking this seriously. They think it's real. And it was so dangerous. Also at the hands of someone who is manipulating behind the scenes as well. Totally. But imagine in like season one and two, before the thing really takes off, you don't have the audience feedback as, as quickly. And then once it's like, once you are this character yeah. and the audience is chiming in and you're getting more attention, there's probably some rivalry that starts to actually happen because you're, because the audience is chiming in and saying like, oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. I would say the audience was a big part of it because things that we didn't really see as issues, you know, on Twitter mm-hmm. or in the news, we'd be like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Well, okay, yeah, now that does make me mad. So that was definitely a factor as well. And then they start chiming in and like maybe calling other people out. Totally. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And you and this show was so famous. I want to say it was like number one on Netflix in like all these different countries. I mean, this is this show is like, it was Netflix's biggest show at one point, Yes, definitely. Yeah, it was. How much pressure is that with the audience chiming in after it's been up or do you just shut it out? Originally, it was really hard. It was really difficult for me because when we started the show, I didn't have social media. I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have Instagram. I was 29 years old. I never had a Facebook or an Instagram. I read that. You, that's what yeah. you said. You never had a while. No. And you grew your social aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started with zero. And I remember when the show came out to my nine followers, I was like, hey, go watch the show. You know, so it was it was a really interesting thing. And so because I didn't have a social media presence or a presence in general, unlike the other girls, you know, who were married to someone who was super rich and famous or with this person or a playmate or whatever it may be, I didn't have that. So it was really, really starting from scratch. And it was hard because fans would go to my page and they wouldn't know anything about me because I hadn't curated my personality yet. So then that's when it became really hateful and really hard. And I was just like, gosh, I can't believe People are actually taking this, you know, I, I just can't believe they're thinking about it like that. I can't imagine going out of my my way and my day to send someone like a hateful message that you don't even know. So it was really weird, but it took time. It took time for the audience to be like, oh, I fuck with her. I don't mean to brag, but I loved you from the beginning. <laughs> Thank just you. because there's like a savviness to it. All. Thank you. You know what I mean? And Michael, always peripheraling the show. I'm always tuning in. Yeah. Always always <laughs> trying to watch what the juicy drama is. You like, always think I'm going to deny it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to no. deny it. Like, I, I got it. But I think what people need to realize, if there's no you on a show like that, what are we watching? And that's the thing, too, is I think it's getting a little more difficult because so many of the original cast members are no longer there. So the OGs, I would think, are myself and Maya. And Maya and I, I believe, were the comedic relief. And so Maya's gone. I'm gone. Davina was also a great potster. She's gone. She's a good potster. You know, so it's like, I don't really know. It's it's hard because you fall in love with that original cast that you watched. And then when they keep adding people and adding people, it just dilutes it. And then that original thing that you fell in love with during COVID that everyone loved just isn't there anymore. So I feel like you're doing it right, though. You like kind of want to exit on a high note like that. Yeah, and then say like, hey, the party look at early. Lisa Renna, you know, I mean, like she's crushing it now. She did the right thing. And, you know, she came to me and I was so happy she did. She was like, I'm leaving. Like, I, I wanted to tell you, but also like 
I need help. I need some information. Like, what should I do? And so I was like, girl, I got you. Yeah, like, you should you're going to crush next this. Leave the party early. That's your totally. next book. Yeah. Well, you, you got to leave the party early and then you set the bar for the next group. And it's like, now people are going to be comparing it to what they watched with you. Totally. Right? It's and like, yeah. with Lisa Renna too. She's she's really been the pot stirrer on that show for so yeah, long. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of that show too. And, I know. And like, without her... What I want to see, like, what are we watching? That's the thing. And I'm not going to tune in anymore because I loved her so much. And I love Erica, too. But it was the combo of the two of them together that were so fierce, you know, and you can't recreate that, you know. So at what moment did you realize, like, that the tides were turning and all these girls were sort of turning against you and they were kind of trying to almost, it felt like to me as a viewer, trying to like push you out. Oh, 100% they were trying to push me out. I mean, there's no doubt about that because I was the only one that pushed back for things. You know, I was the only one that said, guys, this isn't right. Like, you should understand. Like, you know, this is not in our contract. We don't have to do this. We don't have to put up with this. Like, what, what, what are those things? What, like, what kind of things are you pushing back Well, on? so many things, but even just the way they treated us and the way that they would say, you know, this is what we're talking about. Even though in real life we actually had storylines and real things going on, they never wanted to cover it. They only wanted to cover what they wanted to cover, which was those fake storylines. So it just became so hard. And there was a lot of pushback with the girls because I was like, guys, you deserve better. Like you can stand up. You can say no. You don't have to go to a scene. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And that's what they didn't understand. And so I was constantly fighting with them about that. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to, you know, do you value yourself? How do you feel about yourself as an individual, as a whole? If you're not secure in setting boundaries, I can't do that for you. And I'm not going to fight with you anymore about that. So that's really, that was the tipping point was there were so many times where I would try to convince the girl, like try to convince them, like, you're so much better than this. You don't need to be treated this way. Like, you don't need to wear a bra and, you know, this and show your stomach and your boobs. You don't have to do that, you know. And that was a very, like, you know, conscious choice for me in the show is I never wore two-piece bikinis. And there were so many fights about that. So many fights from producers and production constantly commenting on our bodies and telling us what to wear. And it was trying to get you to wear bikinis and revealing clothing. Absolutely. I remember there was one time that I came back from horseback riding because I I go out and jump in Burbank and I was wearing an equestrian outfit and they came they asked me to come in for a scene last minute. So I was like, sure, I'll come. But this is I'm coming in my equestrian clothes, which is like tight pants, boots and a polo or whatever. And I remember they got so mad. Oh, they threw a tantrum and a fit. And I was just like, girls, we don't have to put up with this. Like they should be lucky to have us. There is an undertone of misogynistic. Misogynistic, for what, sure. Like what, what is that? Is it like, is it the creator? Is it the whole entire organization? Like what it, what, it feels like it's a, a man or men telling a lot of women what to wear and do. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same person that it's Adam DeVello who did The Hills or Laguna The Hills, I think it was. Don't quote me. I obviously didn't watch it, but with Lauren Conrad, so it was the same guy that did that show. So he's the creator of, you know, all the Selling Sunsets, Selling OCs, Selling Tampa, all the same franchises. So he was the one who was there on set all the time. And he was the one who was, you know, basically making it hell for everyone. Is it him or the culture he's created with everyone? 
I think what happens is I think people just realize, oh, like that's what we have to put up with to get a great show done. And so everyone kind of just put up with it, you know? It's so funny because like everyone's like, we've we've evolved and and but there's still undertones. Yeah. And, I, and I, you're not the only person that says this yeah. too about all different kinds of you know, these Hollywood moguls, there's this undertone, like the man is still puppeteering the women. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it, yeah. this with respect to, it's even the in the, the, the two brothers, I don't know them, they're probably nice guys. Maybe they're not, maybe they're, I don't know. But even the way they set that office up, it's like, here's the two brothers and they're in charge of all, of like course. this stable of women. I say yeah. that respectfully, but that's uh, no, how, that's how the show portrays right. it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that was a choice that they made from the get-go. And that's actually why we got a show is because every year we used to do a lot of publicity when we were working at the Oppenheim Group. And Jason loved that aspect. He loved being surrounded by women, but women only of a certain type. And that was very intentional, women of a certain type. So we did a billboard one time and, you know, it was the two of them and then all these, you know, tall blonde girls. And the creator basically said, he's like, I didn't know what this this company was. I thought it was an escort agency. Then I realized it was a real estate agency. And he's like, I'm in. And that just says everything about it. You know, when you were single before you met your husband mm-hmm. and you're working there, are the brothers like actively hitting on you? On me? No, because I was really. You give off an energy. People don't hit on me. That's so yeah. funny that you said that because my I asked Michael the other day about something. This guy was cheating on this girl. And I said, like, wh- where does he think he, like he can get away with this? And Michael said, there's an energy that men put out too, where it's like, well, to be careful what you say here, because everyone's going to attack me. I say, <laughs> no, I'll say, say I'll say, men and women, there is an energy certain people put out where it's like, don't hit on me yeah. or do hit on me. You're absolutely and, right. And I don't want to don't read any more into that. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Where like there's certain people that you know it it's has like, nothing to do with the way they look. I'll bend it's, over on the sink. No, for you. Totally. No, yeah. But men too. There's like a like, no. It's a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, it's a vibe that people put out. And, totally. and we as humans can sense that vibe and can sense when someone's open to being hit on and when someone's like, don't even try. Yes. So you're don't even try. I'm don't even try. And which is also why I had a really hard time in that work environment because I was the one who was always pushing back on things. And he intentionally only hired girls that were very submissive. And that was not on accident. That was very intentional. There's a reason that he's dated, I would say, 90% of the girls that work there maybe more. Maybe I don't know of them, but me, Maya, and Davina are the only ones that haven't dated him that I know of. Is it both guys dating? They're twins, right? Yeah. So they, okay. Yeah. Go, is I'm it gonna... both guys? I get, is it? Yeah. Okay. There's two of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, are they both dating? Is it just one that's oh, dating? Oh, for sure. Okay. Both of them. Okay. Very confusing. <laughs> you, it's interesting. I used to be a bartender like you did. I read about this in your book. And I think that even when you're a bartender, I remember you have a bunch of men in front of you, you're making drinks and you you can't fuck everyone. Yeah. You have to put up that boundary. Do you think that that boundary that you have comes from bartending? I absolutely think it's a huge part. And that's really funny that you said that because yes, I feel the same way. And it was so many instances where, you know, I was like, this is my safe place. This, this bar, like you cannot cross, you cannot come past it. And it's so great. But yeah, it's it's constant advances. And I became real sassy. Like I became real sassy and real quick because, yeah, I think I was thrown into an environment where men were just like assuming, you know, oh, well, she's a bartender. She must be crazy. She must be wild. She must want me. So I act, 
Like, I totally think it's the environment. The bar between you and the men is so interesting. And then the restoration hardware table. <laughs> if you watch the show, you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, of they course have they the know. restoration <laughs> hardware table. You're like, do not come between me. Yes, do not come between me. Yes. Yeah. And my fucking restoration <laughs> hardware table, bitch. Do not totally. even touch it. I was, yeah. I think it was Timothy Oliphant that did. Oh, is it there? The chairs. Timothy, Those are the chairs. Timothy, what's the guy's name again? Uh, Timothy. Tiffany Olives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Timothy, uh, Tim Oliphant isn't that the guy that played in Justice? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> in your up. book, you also write about how you were dating someone who essentially was like paying for everything, and you thought you would sort of like it at first, and then yeah. you were like, "This is not for me." Can yeah. you talk about that? Absolutely. And the funny thing is, is the thing that people don't know is I actually did meet him at that bar. That's the funny thing, and he was a guy that was actually different. He was really nice and really sweet and really kind. And he was complimenting my personality and not my looks. And that's something that was that was really refreshing and different. So that's actually where I met him. And it started out really good. And I always thought, gosh, it would just be so nice to you know, be taken care of, yet still pursue my dream. And, you know, it's what every girl wants, right? But then it started becoming this this tool and this carrot that he would constantly dangle over me. And that's when I really realized that I value the most thing in this world that I value is freedom. And I realized that no amount of money in the world could could ever make me, you know, question that. Quick break to talk about Athletic Greens. Regular listeners of this show must be living under a rock with their ears plugged if they haven't yet started taking Athletic Greens, also known as AG1. We have been talking about Athletic Greens for years now, and we aren't the only ones. For those that are still unfamiliar with Athletic Greens, let me break it all down for you right now. Athletic Greens is your one-stop shop for everything you need to start your day right. It's the green powder of green powders. Simply take a single scoop of Athletic Greens in the morning with a large glass of water to get your daily multivitamin your prebiotics, your probiotics, your adaptogens, and your minerals. Again, all packed into a single scoop of delicious green powder. Lauren and I take Athletic Greens every day when we're at home, when we're on the go, when we're traveling. It's an absolute game changer for us. We have noticed more energy, more focus, better skin, no more dark under eye circles, and so much more. We just ultimately feel better. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com skinny. That's athleticgreens.com skinny. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com skinny. That's athleticgreens.com skinny. Check it out. If you are regularly feeling like you have low energy, maybe a little slow, fatigued, and just not performing where you feel you could be, there's a great chance it's because you aren't hydrating properly. Enter Element. Proper hydration is a pinnacle of personal health, and so many of us just don't hydrate properly. We think having a glass of water is enough, but we don't realize we may not be getting our proper dose of electrolytes. Our electrolytes can get depleted when we drink alcohol, when we work out, or when we are being active. So it's so important to replenish our electrolytes for proper function which is why we love Element. 
For those that are unfamiliar with Element, Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a lot of salt with no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, gluten, or filler, no BS. Lauren and I both take it during our workouts or when we just feel dehydrated. It's great for when we're flying and really anytime you deplete your hydration levels. We love it and know you will too. Right now, Element is offering our listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com skinny. This deal is only available through our link. You must go to drinklmnt.com slash skinny. Element offers no questions asked refunds. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Drinkelement.com slash skinny. You're so beautiful. I can imagine when you come to LA, you got a lot of guys throwing. You said guys don't hit on you, but I I can imagine there's a lot of rich, wealthy men wanting to swoop you up and take care of you and make you sit at home. Yes, but when I was in LA, I really wasn't dating that much. That's when I kind of gave that up and I was just like, oh, I don't ever want to feel that way again. So that's when I was like, I'm going to make my own money on my own. Like I didn't want anyone else. And if someone that I meet, you know, has money and has their own job and they're independent, that's great. But they need to be okay with me doing my own thing as well. Have you read that book, 48 Laws of Power? Of course I have, Robert Greene. So so he's been on the show a few times. Hold on. But I want to. Why did I I'll say in the other no, room before she, she came on? She, well, I, no, I, I go. I guarantee you, she's read Robert. Oh, Green. all of his and he's, books. He's brilliant, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and one of my favorite chapters in that book is, and Lauren and I talk about it all the time, is despise the free lunch. And I think people yes. don't realize like everything comes at a cost. Absolutely. And being taken care of sounds nice, but to your point, it comes with a cost. And I, I have younger sisters, so I was always like telling them like, hey. At the end of the day, if you end up with a guy like this and, and you start getting taken care of, like it's it's not free. It's not yeah, doing it just of out course. of the kindness of his heart. Like, yes. of course, maybe that is a motivator, but there's always something. There's always some expectation, whether it's, you know, your time, whatever it may be. It's always something, you know, so you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think I mean, this. it's everything. It's like, you know, even with what you guys do in the influence, like, I always just say like, don't do things where someone's giving you something for free because it sounds like you're getting a bargain, but it's going to cost you something. You're so right. I want to pay full price for everything. Like (laughs) charge me out the ass because (laughs) because, listen, I either can't afford it or I like, or if I can, like, I just want to pay for it and be like, that was the transaction. I don't want to come back and I don't want to pay a death tax on this later down the road. Okay. 100%. (laughs) Despise the free lunch. We should make like cute pink t-shirts. No, I, I mean, it, I feel I another I feel another line coming. Up. I mean, it's a good. One. <laughs> there's no such thing as a free line. I, there's no such thing. So so if someone's listening mm-hmm. and they want to support themselves, you're obviously very entrepreneurial. What tactics and tips would you give them if they don't even know where to start? Tactics and tips for trying to be self-sufficient, basically. Yes. And say like they're a bartender. They're, you know, they're working in a service industry job. They want to break out. They want to start their own thing. It could be even be real estate. Yeah. Well, I would say the most important thing that I I realized over the years is don't have an ego. And that was something that I had later down the line. But that was a whole other thing. But when it comes to jobs, don't have an ego because the second that you have an ego. So I would say the most important thing is don't have an ego because 
if you really want to be self-sufficient, I remember in the beginning, I took on so many jobs that weren't amazing and luxurious. And people would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. Like I worked at Walmart. I worked at Taco Bell. Like I had the most embarrassing jobs, you know, like people in LA say, oh, I'm a cater waiter. I'm like, oh, that's so fancy compared to the stuff that I did. It's just getting as much work as you can, doing as many odd jobs and things that you can. And then also I think savings is really important. And a a lot of people don't budget properly. And I think that's the thing that we don't understand. And so I started, you know, writing a journal of all of my expenses, all of my income, and obviously that fluctuated. But then I kind of had to decide like later, okay, can I buy this? Can I not buy this? But also it's taking chances and, you know, starting a podcast, doing things like this that people don't necessarily think of. You might not make money right away, but as long as you keep doing it and have something that you really love, I think that's how you get independence. Yeah, I think you're interesting because, well, for multiple reasons, but because you kind of came on the scene. No, no, I'm going to say because you kind of came out of nowhere without a social presence and people didn't know. And all of a sudden you're on television and I don't think they understand that you've worked my whole life. Yes. I <laughs> was also going to say, I thought you were going to say that the way you look, you've used to your advantage because people are automatically going to stereotype you. Oh, absolutely. And so what you've done is not only, you, I mean, you look beautiful, but you're also very smart. Thank you. And I am not getting through Robert Green books if you're you a dodo too. bird. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> those books are thick. Christine to leave without you guys talking finances because she talks about this in the book and you you're very very savvy with your finances. Yes. can you talk about that more? I mean, everyone's different, but for me, I kind of had to figure out okay, you know what's important to me, and I obviously you have your bottom line of how much money you have as a whole. And for me, I realized I was going to go all in on the stock market, like absolutely all in. So that's what I did. It's a horrifying thing to do, but I budgeted it that way. And then I kind of take every paycheck and, you know, whatever I get at the end, I'll keep 20% and the rest goes into savings. 30%, depending on the month and what my expenses are, you know, the rest will go into savings. 40%, whatever you can do. So you're saving first. 100%. And even if it's 10%, it just has to be consistent, has to be something consistent. And I'm not saying everyone go to TD Ameritrade or whatever, or not everyone has access to a Goldman Sachs, whatever it can be. You know, I saw that Apple just came out the other day recently with something that they have a savings account with 4.1% interest. Absolutely. So, I mean, that grows, you know, and the stock market on average grows 9% annually, minimum. So, I mean, just think about the amount of savings that you can get, even if it's just it doesn't have to be a like it doesn't have to be a huge amount. It just has to be consistent. You just make to have to make a habit of it. What I do here now, I'm working with a lot of women like yourself or Lauren and talent that's making money. And maybe it's the first time they've made a lot of money, right? right. Like and, they, and they've you know changed their lives or whatever. But I, I see a lot of people coming through these doors and not just at Dear Media, but in other places. And it's kind of like the money spigot's turned on, but there's no, there's no thought to like, I'm going to save or I'm going to invest. Or it's just like, they think it's going to last forever. And yeah. we've kind of seen these up and down cycles for, you know, you know, 12, 15 years doing this. And it's like, you see a lot of people get washed out and you Absolutely. also see a lot of people make it really big and then stop. Right. And I always, I always feel bad. Like, man, if they would have just set a little bit aside during that time, they'd be fine. But people just, they, they don't think about it. They think it's the money's just going to last forever. And they never think about, oh, I'm going to set aside some for a rainy day. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I come from Texas. So my paychecks were completely different than they, out, than they are here oh, they in California, California tax, obviously. Yeah. You know, it's very, very different. 
I remember coming out here and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I mean, you get half of yep. the amount of money you were supposed to get because of taxes, obviously. I think a lot of people don't take that into account either. They don't realize they have to pay taxes. And so, you know, they just spend a whole a whole bunch of it. But also, you know, I mean, our industry, I feel like we don't have consistent income. So we really like those are the people that really need to be careful and really good with savings because you never know where your next paycheck's coming from. I think, too, being on a reality show, a lot of reality stars, the, Michael, Michael just said it, the money funnel gets turned on. Yeah. You think it's going to come forever. It's like you said, you really have to be thoughtful and purposeful with your future of what you're doing. Absolutely. Did you manifest your husband? I did. Well, not him specifically, but I, I pretty much did. Yeah. I Talk feel to like us I about did. how you manifested him. It kind of goes back to the house that I used to have the listing on that I talk about in my book. So I used to have a listing on this gorgeous house and I've seen all the houses. I would sit in houses every Sunday and Tuesdays and go on open houses all the time. I knew everything on the market. But there was this one house that was so special. It was so gorgeous. And I used to sit there every Sunday and by habit, I guess, but also by love, I imagined myself living there. And like, I didn't even make like, a few grand in real estate at the time. Like I had no money to my name. And so I would just be like, gosh, it would be so great to live here and, you know, just have my husband bring me coffee. And I always wanted someone who wasn't like me. I always wanted someone who was very nerdy and just a different personality type, you know, very smart. <laughs> I'm like opposite of me, very smart. <laughs> no, but um, so I manifested a software engineer in a weird way. But I used to sit in that house and I would imagine a man like bringing my coffee, bringing me coffee downstairs. That was my husband. And so I feel in a weird way I did manifest my husband. And then also I manifested the same house that we live in now because years later, the house didn't sell. Years later, it came on the market and I didn't recognize it. We went to go look at it. And I was like, oh, my God, this was the house I wanted to live in. We bought it. So I do feel like I manifested my husband and also the house. I mean, how crazy is it to be a real estate agent sitting in a house every Sunday imagining this and now you own the house? It's crazy to me because I, I never in a million years, the position of where I was at that moment in time in my life, like, I mean, $5,000 to me just blew my mind, let alone like a multi-million dollar house that just, it wasn't achievable. But in my mind, I don't know if it was just delusions of grandeur, manifestation. I don't really know what the difference is, honestly, because I was just, I was so convinced that somehow one day I would. And it happened, oddly enough. When you meet your husband, did you know right away? I knew he was definitely special. On the first date, he was really nervous. He was like sweating, I remember. And I was like, is this guy on crack? Like he was sweating his upper lip. He was like shaking. I was like, what the fuck is this guy on drugs? And I just, I, I did like him. Then, you know, he finally broke the ice and he's like, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, yeah, I can tell. I can tell. But when we started having the banter, then it was so nice. And we just got along so well. And it was just this like constant stream of conversation. And, you know, I would finish his sentences and he would finish mine. And you'd be like, oh, did you hear about this? Do you know about this? And everything we were in alignment with. It was really nice. It sounds like he's very intellectually stimulating for you. Very. Yeah. That's that's the thing that I'm so grateful for every day is I learn so much from him that I didn't even know existed. 
So absolutely, it's a really great place to be in. I'm going to say it. Do you think that there was a little bit of a change from the girls on the show when you start to date and then get married to this man who checks? I mean, it seems like all the boxes. It was really confusing to everyone because we were early on. So we were all like, you know, renting clothes from Evolve. Like we were not, you know, even making money at this moment in time. He pretty much came out of nowhere and we were engaged three months later. And then we had this whirlwind, you know, this whirlwind romance, which was obviously covered on the show as well in our wedding. And so a lot of the other girls were just like completely in shock and Some would call it jealousy, but I don't know why, you know, because I would be happy if they found someone as well. But I I definitely felt a shift in things. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The wedding that she had, she's like, I don't know why they were jealous. You should have seen this wedding. We have to play the clip, Taylor. This wedding was bigger than Kate Middleton's wedding (laughs) in the castle. I've never seen a wedding like this in my entire life. Yeah, when you're describing it, I was picturing like you guys got married. She's renting Revolve clothes and then she's she's getting married and she makes it sound like she had like an intimate (laughs) wedding. This wedding, guys, go Google the wedding. I will admit, I haven't seen the wedding episode, but as you were describing, I was like, oh, they must have like gotten like a nice married meeting out of the beach, couple of friends. Like, I, I, it was completely. Can you kind of describe the wedding? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> there was like a fucking elephant or something that walked down the aisle. Well, there was a zebra at our engagement party, and then okay. there was a lion for something else. But no, so <laughs> there was a lion at your wedding. No, a lion was for something else. Oh, okay, okay. And oh. then there was a sloth, but that was for something else. No, but so our wedding was a till death do us part theme. Like my my aesthetic is very gothic Barbie. And if you see my house, you can come by. You'll, you'll kind of get the vibe. It's like very black, but then nature and roses and things like that. So I knew I wanted to do a wedding kind of like that. My husband didn't care. And in all honesty, I really didn't care about a wedding. I know that every girl dreams about it. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so excited about my wedding. I'm like the man in the relationship. I really am. I'm just like, as long as I'm in love and I'm happy with someone, I don't really care about all that stuff and I don't really need to put on a show for anyone. However, at the moment in time that I was in, I was on a show and they wanted to see a show. So, you know, we were pushed really hard to put a wedding together and we put that wedding together in two months and it was a gothic, like a gothic winter wonderland is the best way I could describe it. And so I uh, was in a horse-drawn carriage, okay, a black a, horse-drawn carriage. Now. You know, I arrived to the the chapel and, you know, black horses in this black carriage. And then I walk in and it's all white. It's a winter wonderland. And there's huge LED screens projecting a snowstorm. And the second I walk down the aisle, it starts snowing. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> and then there's white swans. And then after we get married, the white swans turn into black swans. And then the whole venue immediately turns into a black gothic winter wonderland. Phantom of the Opera plays. And I walk down the aisle to sweep with Psycho. Yeah, now I'm... (laughs) You made me walk down the aisle. I didn't even have anything to carry me down the aisle. I want a do-over. I'm sorry. I I, I should have had carriages and swans and lions I and tigers and I want Phantom of the Opera to play when the swans turn from Okay, well, I have a little swan. bit of a better idea why <laughs> some of the women might have no, turned on you. But here's what, I, here's what I respect about you. You just said it. You didn't really care, but if they want you to put on a show, you're going to put on a show. It's like yeah. you rally and, and you get it done to the best of your abilities. It seems to me that in every area of your life, 
you want to be the best version of yourself and you expect a 10 out of 10 from the people around you and yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see she wants to put like she's on a show. Well, this is why like, you know, people have had these kind of conversations. Like, I think you have to if you're going to do a show like yours, you have to do what you do. Because you can you can walk away from that experience now and have these kind of conversations and people of all walks of life, like, I fucking get it. I yeah. understand. Where, like, some people do it and you're like, you didn't really get much out of that experience. Right. You didn't really put on a show and, like, why, like, you, like, I'm not sitting here asking you why would you do that? I'm like, I get why you did it. Right. There's a lot of people, I'm like, why the hell would you do that? Totally. Right? I get what you're saying about not always dreaming about your wedding, too. I felt the same way. That was not, I mean, sorry. I, w- I, just, I was kind of just like, like, yes, it would be nice, but, I mean, I would rather just spend that money and go on a nice vacation together. That's just me personally. And then have a nice dinner with family. Well, but I, I only did it because of the show, obviously. So after that wedding, like, did you notice a shift? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, there was an immediate shift. Why. And I remember, you know, all the girls were sitting there like, <laughs> Zoolander style. <laughs> I think I got the black lung when it was snowing. And I'm like, bitch, it's snowing at my wedding and you hoes can't even make it rain like a dollar. Like, Stop. So yes, I, I I did notice a shift in them for sure. One thing that drove me nuts, and I don't know if it was because I was pregnant, was the pregnancy thing. That was really, really rough. That was, that was, you could tell was like an actual real thing with yeah. the show. I might, I might not One say of the real as things. eloquently <laughs> as I can, but basically you got pregnant and People said that you faked your pregnancy and like there was a show, there was a scene where you did yoga, but, mm-hmm. but I heard somewhere else that you like filmed the scene separately. Of course. Was, yeah. Maybe you can explain it yeah. better. Yeah. Long story short, it started the biggest media storm I've ever been involved in. And that was because obviously we never shoot things chronologically. We shoot everything, what they call evergreen, because just in case, you know, a storyline comes up, they want to be able to insert that here. So everything that we do is kind of like you know, a yoga scene or an office scene, and they can place it anywhere. So I was doing a yoga scene with one of the girls who wasn't supposed to be brought back into the show until episode eight or nine, so the very end of the show. So, but we shot that early when I was pregnant. I was doing yoga and I was upside down on my head. I was very active in my pregnancy. But the way that they shot it is only from here up. And when I was doing headstands, they only showed me from the back and far away. So what happened was it looked like on the show I had a baby and then the next day I was upside down doing headstands, you know, and yoga poses and people were like, oh my God, you can't do that if you just had a baby. This is ridiculous. You didn't have a baby. And then so rumors started that I used a surrogate and I didn't even carry and I'm like faking these bumps and like all these workout videos of me and sports bras on my, I'm like, I literally had like. 50 videos. I would film myself all the time doing yoga. And I'm like, do people really think that like, what? So it was just mind boggling to me. But it was because the way that they edited it, it was from here up and it was from behind. So it shows that I had a baby and then I was upside down doing yoga. And do they do that intentionally or is that just like an honest mistake in editing? I think they did intentionally. I think they knew what they were doing because I had had conversations with the producers and I joked and I said, ha, 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 because, you know, all the girls were saying, oh, your body hasn't changed. You're so skinny. You're probably using a surrogate. That's a fake bump. They were being funny. Obviously, they were being funny. Right. And so the producers heard that. I was like, yeah, ha, ha, I'm using a surrogate. This is fake. 
obviously that's not true. Everyone had seen me changing. They, they know that's not true. But the producers were like, ding, 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 ding. This is interesting. So I think that's what happened. The Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Lauren and I have had the pleasure of sitting down with some of the world's top performers, entrepreneurs, athletes, authors, creators, celebrities, and so much more. One of the tools we see as a common denominator for all of these great performers is therapy. There has not been any high performer who has come on this show who has been active therapy who doesn't swear by the results. The problem is for years, therapy has been challenging for many, whether it's because they can't afford it or they can't find a therapist, or maybe even they're just uncomfortable going into a therapist's office. This is where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is a therapy entirely online that you can access from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Emphasis on comfort and privacy. It's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You also have the flexibility to switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I love this service. Again, making therapy accessible, making it available for anyone who's thinking about therapy, whether it's to help learn positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, how to have better relationships, how to just be a better version of yourself, or even trying to overcome a trauma. Therapy can be beneficial for so many. So if you have been on the fence thinking about trying therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash skinny today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash skinny, betterhelp.com slash skinny. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash skinny, betterhelp.com slash skinny. I recently went on a vacation and I was using this product in my bun. So I would do a slicked back bun after I got out of the shower and I would put the specific product in my bun and then wrap it up and let it do its magic. Here's the deal. Wella Professionals just released its most luxurious hair care line and it is called Ultimate Repair. The product that I like that I used on vacation is called Ultimate Repair Miracle Hair Rescue. It's this leave-in spray, and basically what it does is it repairs hair damage in 90 seconds. So what I notice is that if I use too many heat tools on my hair, that I have a little bit of breakage. And so I thought when I was on vacation, since I didn't have access to any of the things I normally have access to, that I would just heal my hair. So I sprayed this leave-in spray into my hair. And what I noticed is smoother hair with less breakage. And it makes sense because the entire line includes AHA and omega-9. So basically what I was doing is like passively multitasking. I had my hair in a slick bun. It looked cute. It was fun. It was chic. But I was also healing my hair. It is vegan, cruelty-free, dermatology tested. You should also know to use this product on wet hair. So I would get out of the shower and use it. You can purchase Ultimate Repair Miracle Hair Rescue at Ulta now. You can also go to Wella.com. That's Wella, W-E-L-L-A.com to learn more. I am all about saving time and time management, and you can do that with Allo Moves. Allo Moves is a streaming on-demand wellness platform that features yoga practices, fitness routines, meditation sessions, and so much more from one of our favorite brands who we all know and love, Allo Yoga. They have something for everyone on this app. They have beginner to advanced. This is amazing to just seamlessly integrate into your day to step up your wellness. 
They have tons of fresh content and they also have over 100 new classes added every month. So if you get bored like me and you want to save time, go check out their 3000 classes for every level. Like I said, from beginner to advanced. They also have like fun wellnessy stuff on the app. So they have gua sha, dry brushing, face yoga, nutrition classes. They literally thought of everything. The best part with these things is that you need little to no equipment. Allo Moves is all on demand when you want to do it, when you can do it from the comfort of your home. It's not just me that's loving Allo Moves. It was voted best wellness app of 2022 by InStyle Magazine and best yoga app of 2023 by Women's Health. For a limited time, Allo Moves is offering our listeners a free 30-day trial plus, get this, 50% off an annual membership. But you can only get this by going to allomoves.com and use code SKINNY in all caps. That's ALLmoves.com and all caps code SKINNY to get a free 30-day trial plus 50% off an annual membership. Allomoves.com, code SKINNY, all caps. What's even crazier about what happened to you is that the way that you gave birth was so traumatic on you. And then they like after she gave birth, they like were you were they were so mean to you yeah. in the trauma of the birth. The I totally, audience or the or the the cast. I just it the cast was members. Vibe. It was bad energy. I don't know. It, it was I yeah, and I remember you know people always used to say with Maya, they're like Maya was always pregnant. You know, they're like she's the pregnant girl. Don't fight with her. You can't fight with the pregnant girl. And that was like a thing. That was like a thing between the cast. But for me, that was not that rule did not apply. But. It's like the second I had my baby, I didn't even have a break. You know, I was back to filming after a week because they were pressuring me so hard. And so that was when I said, fine, I'll, I'll show up to a scene and I don't want any drama. And that was what ended up being the finale. And that was literally like a week and a half maybe after I had my emergency C-section. And I said, I'll come at the very end. And then the second I walked up, it was just like a swarm of an intervention. And that's when I said, okay, I'm out. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And that was so hard for me. That was so hurtful because it's like I was so hormonal. You know, I was going through postpartum, the whole nine yards, and then filming a reality show on top of that. It was like, forget it. I mean, I can't even imagine leaving the house a week and a half after. Yeah. I mean, that was that's that's a lot. Yeah, it was. How? I mean, I could hardly walk. Like it was so I mean, it was so painful to even stand. I've never had a C-section, but I've heard that like you're supposed to be like laying down. Yeah, it was awful. How did you know that you had to have an emergency C-section? Like what alerted you? Well, I honestly believe it was the stress of work. I really really do because we were filming a scene and I just, the show, the anxiety of the show was getting to me and all of a sudden my water broke. Basically, we we filmed a scene. I drove home. Five seconds after I got home, all over the floor, my water broke. Literally five minutes after I got home from work. And I know it was because of the stress of the scene, the anxiety and the stress of the scene. I just know it. So my water broke and then my husband rushed me to the hospital and the second I got there, I was 10 centimeters dilated already. So I couldn't have an epidural. I couldn't do anything. They were like trying to have me push the vacuum, the whole nine yards. I mean, without epidural. Meanwhile, you know, the cord was twisted and the heart rate on the baby was going down. And so they had to make a really, really quick decision and just emerge. Just I had to go have an emergency C-section really quick. And they did it in, I can't remember, but it was a record time because both of our heart rates were dropping and they were worried that both of us weren't going to make it. And so they 
they sewed me up so quickly that they had to, after, send me through an x-ray machine because they didn't have time to count the tools. Yeah, it was rough. And then they make you go on film a week and a half later? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Looking back, do you wish you just said no? Yeah, I do. I really do. Because I was like, I would rather be at home with my son. I'd rather be at home with my family. Like, I didn't want to be there. And I knew at this point I was already checked out. And also, like, you can't even, you can't perform. You can't, you're like on stage. I Now that I like look back to on that scene when everyone like confronted you, it's, it's fucked up. Yeah. It was really almost it's almost like a little bit like taking you when they knew you were your weakest. hundred percent. Yeah. When you're not when you and again, don't take this wrong way. I I witnessed Lauren go through postpartum and obviously two births, but like you're not thinking as clear as you would be now. But yeah, absolutely not not. clear. I mean, I'm I'm not I wasn't thinking. Absolutely not. I mean, you just went through a trauma. Yeah. With uh, the thing, too, that I think about pregnancy is like you envision yourself in the hospital at 40 weeks like. You, like, that you was think, my goal. Right, I wanted think, like, candles the, and aromatherapy. And I was like, yeah, it, yeah, yes. And so th- what people don't realize is not only are you mourning like what's just happened, you're mourning the vision that you had in your head. Too. Absolutely. And I think that that kind of just gets discredited. And the x-ray machine is like, I mean, that's traumatic. Yeah. It's traumatic. And my doctor couldn't even make it. So they were looking My doctor for didn't even make it in time. a tool that they might have accidentally like left in you because basically, they were going so fast. Yeah, basically wow. what they do because I was so I was in labor when I arrived at the hospital, you know? So I was I was already way past the point of yeah, what I should have been. They go lighting hospital. speed. Yeah, exactly. So my doctor couldn't make it in time, so my ultrasound doctor who was at the hospital was the one who had to do it. He was the one who did the surgery and they were going so fast because what happened is they, the nurse came up to my husband because both of us were alternating. And so he's like, we're going to prior, we're going to prioritize both. But if we have to pick one, I need you to choose. And so my husband was just like, both, you have to do both. So they have a procedure, I guess, where whatever tools they use at the end, they count them to make sure that all the tools were taken out. But they didn't have that time to do that because my heart rate was dropping. So they had to just sew me up after they got the baby out. And they're like, what? We're going to have to x-ray her later. We can move. I don't want to I don't want to like make you relive the trauma over and over. No, 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 no. But it happens. They leave tools in people all the time. You hear about it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I just can't believe that after all of this, that the audience and people say about fake pregnancy. Can you imagine what she's been through for people to then say that? It's. I just think people should not comment on people's pregnancy. I couldn't just agree like, more. And bodies, it's well, getting people, so old. People have like a different stand. I always say, because we talk to people, a lot of people that go on these reality shows. And I always say like, there's such a, like the audience and people online have such a different standard for the things they say to people that put themselves on television. Yeah, it's an entitlement. You're people, absolutely right. It's yeah. the same people that says like, laugh, pray, love in their bio, but then oh, they're totally. like, that kind of person. But it, it, I feel like there's this, it's, this weird place as a society where it's like, well, you put yourself out there. So now I'm allowed to say whatever I want because you signed up for this. And you're exactly right, because that's the comments that I see about it. They're like, well, then don't be on a reality show if you don't want your life talked about, you know, and I'm just like, 
But yeah, if you but went onto their social platform and saw some picture or something, Corinthians them, nine four, yeah, you know what I mean? I like yeah. Matthew, or like it's always, your husband's ex girlfriend from like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like a fake troll, like, <laughs> totally. So, so, so now that you're not on the show, people must be sad. You've <laughs> got to get the comments. Yes, like I do. People begging you to come back. I do. They're like, please, when are you gonna be on TV again? Yes, I do get comments like that. Are you that. done with TV forever? So for me right now, no, I'm not done with TV forever. I'm you can't definitely be done with TV. you're made for TV. Yeah, I'm definitely done with that show, but I absolutely love television and I want to get back into scripting scripted acting, you know, which I love to do and hosting I love to do and, and things like that I, I would love to do. Absolutely. I can see a show, I'm sure you've already been approached on how to be a boss bitch. I would love to do that. And I've thought about it. I'm like, okay. You know, I would love to do my own podcast. Or I would love to do my own show. It's just trying to figure out what the format looks like. But, you know, my whole entire, you know, motto is kind of like the inspiration and, and confidence building of women. And, you know, how can I how can I empower people basically to be the best versions of themselves? Before you go, you have to give our audience some tips to being confident because you are very, very confident in person and on the show. Well, I try. <laughs> Thank you. I would say confidence is definitely not something that I was born with. It's it really wasn't. I mean, you can see now I'm I'm not who you think I would be on the TV show. Actually, I'm a little introverted. I am. But, you know, I'm able to turn it on. And I think that's just the acting background and experience. But it's it's confidence I was not born with. But through years and years of being rejected and being told no, yet understanding my value and what I'm good at. That's what really made me step into my own and step into my power and kind of learn to set boundaries and say no to people. Kind of what you said earlier about how you must get stereotyped because of the way that you look or way, you know, whatever it may be. And a lot of women and even men have that situation. And I, I definitely dealt with that. But I remember I wanted to get into commercial real estate and there was this asshole guy that basically told me the way that I looked like absolutely no way. And that's kind of what fueled my fire. Then I got into residential and then I killed it. And then I saw him at the gym and he was trying to talk to me and I was like, screw off, you know? So I would just say confidence is one of those things that you really just have to go out there and keep trying to knock on every, every, every single door. And that's really what made me confident is just not giving up. You know? I loved your book. Where Thank can everyone you. find your book? What can they expect out of your book? So my book is on Amazon and obviously anywhere books are sold. Also, I did an audio version that I really, really love. That was really fun to do to be able to like talk and connect with the audience. But basically, it's all about manifestation and kind of confidence and stepping into your own power. I have a lot on, you know, savings, investments. I talk about sugar daddies, relationships. I mean, everything. It's it's juicy. I have a lot of stories, but also it's just, it's really, really inspiring and just inspires women to, to get up and just do what they love and might as well make money at it too. What and we, they what call we, you what, the bitch whisper. The bitch whisper. What's the advice on the sugar daddies? The advice on the sugar daddy? You got to give us the one line. Okay. okay. The advice on the sugar daddies <laughs> is never quit your day job and never lose your freedom. And that's the number one mistake that I I did was I quit my job. He wanted me to quit my job for me. And that's the number one thing that I regret. So is a sugar daddy somebody that's classified as a wealthy man that basically says, okay, his you- pubes are probably gray, right? 
<laughs> right? Well, I was 21 and he was 40, but he was really good so looking. So salt and pepper. He was blonde. He had blonde hair, like full head of hair. I mean, my husband's older than, my husband's 44. Yeah. So, but 40's not that old. Right? No, I don't think 40 is old. No, but when I was 20. So yeah. what you're saying is you don't, you don't recommend being in a situation where someone signs up for a sugar daddy, but then leaves all of their you know, own efficiencies behind yeah. and just relies on this person. The problem yeah, with I the sugar the daddy, way. though, and you say this in your book, is that it's like despise the free lunch. A lot of them want you to quit your day job. Yeah. So you have to have enough conviction and confidence more dependent to say no. And that's that. I mean, if I were in that situation... Now, it would be a totally different thing. I, I would know what to ask for. I would know to say, you know, no, I'm not quitting my job because I make this much at work. And then what they're going to do is say, oh, I'll give you that. No, you lose your independence. You lose your freedom. You lose your sense of self. You just have to have your own thing going on. And then sure, if someone wants to pay your bills and take you out to dinner and buy you caviar, like, of course, who wouldn't want that? But just don't lose yourself in the process. No, you're not a sugar daddy, if that's what you're asking. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking, you're I'm, not a sugar, I'm daddy. A sugar I'm a fucking sugar I'm, daddy for you, bitch. I'm no, for a sure sugar mama. Say, I am we, a rich man. Where do we yeah, find I a am sugar a rich mama? man. I love that. Taylor, what are you saying? Where do we is, find a sugar mama? Is your mic not on again? No, it's on. It's just not in the headset. Where do we find a sugar mama? Taylor wants a sugar mama. I want a sugar mama. A sugar yeah. mama. I, you, know, you know, I retract what I said. I, I'm actually, I want the free lunch now, Lauren. I, I'm done. I am giving sugar mama undertones. <laughs> no, but I, no, but you're a sugar mama and you're a sugar daddy. So like it works out perfect. You guys are perfect for each other. But she said something earlier and this is just like, I, I just think this is important for people when they think about a long-term relationship. At the end of the day, I think the most important thing is to feel intellectually stimulated mm -hmm. by the person you're going to be with for a long yeah. time because all the other stuff is great. You, you don't want to feel like you're staring at a piece of drywall all day. Yeah. Like you gotta, there's there's got to be a little bit of ping pong going on. You know what I mean? You got to give it back. Yeah. And my husband, I will be completely transparent. My husband would love it if I never worked again. He would love it. And he's tried. And we've had many conversations. He's like, but don't you love being like a wife and a mother and being at home? Because he's retired. And I'm like, yes, I do. But I can also have my things and do my things. So I took, you know, what I learned from my book and applied it to my life now. And that's what made me set boundaries. And now I'm in the best position ever. Wait, so essentially you are the sugar mama since he's retired and you're I working. I actually am you're the, the sugar, sugar mama. mama. I'm the oh only one that's making income in this household right now, actually. For She's years, you're right. Taylor. She's not I available. am. I saw his eyes when you walked in. It was like it was like a dog about to devour kibble. She's not giving off I that kind like, of energy. <laughs> I know she wasn't giving off the energy to you. And so it immediately blocked you. And you no, probably think, Googled some weird shit. It wasn't energy was though. shut down, Taylor. I just it, want to make sure you understand that very clearly as you're back there behind that wall, there's no energy for Where you. Where can everyone go follow you on Instagram, buy your book, support what you're doing, all the things? Yes, I am on Instagram as the Christine Quinn, and my book is available on Amazon and Kindle, and obviously anywhere books are sold. How to be a boss bitch, and I just I know you guys will love it. It's just so cute and juicy, but very inspirational. Can we give away a signed copy with an ice roller? Absolutely. Okay, you guys go follow at the Christine Quinn, and then tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest post at Lauren Bostic. Christine, you can come back anytime. I feel like we could have talked to you about a ton of different oh, things. Oh, I could talk to you guys all day long. I Open mean, invite. very, very easy to <laughs> talk to you. you. Come on back anytime. Well, I have to say, and like I said to you off camera, you guys are incredible. Thank I you. have Thank seen you. all the podcasts that you've done. I've been a fan for so long. Thank you. And just the way that you're able to make people not only feel really comfortable, because I'm nervous. I'm so nervous. Really? Every you just killed it. <gasps> Thank you. I don't feel like it, but I'm really nervous. But I, I love you guys. I love all the podcasts that you do. I love your banter. I think you guys are incredible, wonderful humans. Oh, thank and you. That's sweet. 
because people just love you guys. That's oh, we gotta very, keep you around nice. even longer. Like, great, we don't That's get compliments nice. like that. Well, yeah, right. I mean, honestly, thank That's you. Very nice. That means nice. And you crushed the podcast. Do you want to win Christine Quinn's book that's signed and ready for you? All you have to do is tell us your favorite takeaway from this episode on my latest post at Lauren Bostick. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. And also her book can be found on Amazon.